What is evidence? Evidence provides a why behind our plan of care. For the best outcomes for our patient. Elevate our practice to best standards. Giving the patient the most optimal care that we can. Is what guides us. There's been a lot of growth in our field. Things are progressing. It's different than what we saw 50 years ago. Welcome to Evidence Elevates, helping you integrate evidence to elevate the profession, your practice, and patient outcomes. A production of the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy. Welcome back to the Evidence Elevates podcast, a product of the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy Moving Forward Task Force. My name is Heather Hayes, and I will be your host today. We have two special guests today sharing their experiences as a neurologic resident and residency coordinator and the challenges and facilitators to progressing neurologic practice with evidence-based care. First, we'll be speaking with Kaylee Stock, who is a physical therapist working at Mizzou Therapy Services Outpatient Neuroclinic. She graduated in May of 2022 from the University of Missouri with her doctorate in physical therapy. She is the current resident of the University of Missouri Neurologic Physical Therapy Residency Program and plans to sit for her Neurologic Clinical Specialist Certification in 2024. During physical therapy school, she developed a passion for helping people with neurologic conditions and has become her mission to learn more about best practices for our patients with neurologic disorders. In addition, we're going to interview Becky Bliss. She is a PT, DPT, DHSC, a clinical assistant teaching professor in the Doctor of Physical Therapy program at the University of Missouri and is board certified clinical specialist in neurologic physical therapy. She serves as the program coordinator for the University of Missouri Neurologic Physical Therapy Residency Program. Welcome both Kaylee and Becky. We're glad to have you today. Thank you for having us. So let's begin first with providing a little background about how the concept of this podcast for uh, interviewing residents and residency directors began. We were recently at the AMPT Annual Conference 2022 in Minneapolis with the Moving Forward Task Force presenting on our initiatives. And a comment was po- posed about the potential challenges that our residents, our newer graduates, and even our student clinicians may have for integrating evidence into practice. This is a common problem that our education systems sometimes have while we're teaching the newest concepts and techniques to our new clinicians and practitioners. Taking these concepts into practice during the clinical rotations is sometimes a little bit harder. And I think that sometimes our clinicians and new, new grads and residents and students may feel like they're stepping on toes because of the expertise that they're walking into expert clinicians that they're working with. And so Kaylee, can you provide some examples of how you have navigated this type of challenge in the clinic? Yeah, so I have kind of gone at it from a point of like leading by example and through school I was taught some of the newer things and things like that. So as I've been practicing for the last few months, I've just been able to use some of these things and then kind of clinicians come to me and then I can kind of explain to them what I'm doing or why I'm doing it a certain way um, and kind of have connections like that, but also learning a lot from them too who have been in the clinic for a long time. Great. So how do you feel um you know, this idea of going out and practicing with your own concepts um, and really feeling like, yes, this is a, I know you know it, you learned it in school, but do you have some background that helped you feel more empowered to carry that on? 
Yeah, this was all like, especially like if we caught, like if we consider high intensity gait training, I was kind of learning that through school and being able to um, have some mentorship on it um, throughout school and kind of learn and kind of change my thought process on, okay, like I can push my patients harder and it is safe to do the, these kind of things and learning a lot of different things kind of throughout school to then kind of empower me to have my own outlook on how I want to practice in the future and keeping up with the best concepts. Do you have some other areas where you got some um, specific experience that allowed you to understand other parts of current evidence and clinical practice guidelines? Yeah, each um, mentor session, like we kind of get to have that conversation and I pull different evidence that we can have mentorship on with my mentors in the outpatient therapy and um, kind of anywhere that I'll be. And I have also like had the summer before my third year um, had the opportunity to be with neuropatients um, in a pro bono clinic and get to use these things and practice even more like in depth as to like why they're working and like seeing like, you know, from evaluation to the end of like their progression and like what we were able to do with the evidence. So that was good to kind of see all of that happening. Yeah, that's fantastic. Have you, how are the conversations going? I think they're going well. Um, I'm also just a person who is not very pushy at the beginning. So kind of um, taking it slow and just like feeling out how people want to be like told things or like have the conversation with them, um, I think is good. And I also have, you know, mentorship on having some of these leadership conversations and taking it to the next step as well as you know, providing information in journal clubs and um, being a part of a KT project that is, um, I'm able to kind of have a background on and then explain to people like how to make some of the changes throughout therapy. Wow. So are you bringing in the newest concepts like the clinical practice guidelines? Mm -hmm. okay. um, even like just this past month, I was able to talk about like the moving forward paper and I kind of added in there like all of the AMPT like CPG resources and like had each CPG at least on there to like get that out there that these exist and here are clinician resources and patient resources and things like that. So I was able to provide that at a journal club with other therapists um, really across Missouri um, altogether. They're every, like everybody in Missouri is invited who's a neuro CI in our program. So I was able to do that. And then we talk about it in like school and under in PT school about like the newer CPGs and kind of going through how to read a CPG and, you know, how to dissect them and who it may be fit for to use it with and different things like that too. Wow, what a great way to get the information. So tell me a little, this is uh, interesting. So you have a group of neuro CIs. Um, is this the same as your mentors? No. Oh, so okay. I have like mentors that are on site wherever I'm at, but then we have like um, cl um, clinical instructors who are clinical instructors for the DPT program. And so we have opened up our, it used to be just a residency, like within just the residency mentors and faculty journal club. But then this year we've expanded it all the way to all of our Missouri clin um, clinical instructors for the undergrad PT or the DPT students. 
Well, it's a great um, grassroots effort to be able to get this information out. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like there's pretty good feedback reception? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of good reception. Like, you know, we try to make it interactive of like, have you guys heard of this? Or like, what questions do you have? And making sure like we're, you know, helping fill gaps in where, you know, clinicians feel like they need it. And we had one the other day and everybody's, you know, thank you so much for, you know, doing this. So I think we've had really good feedback and everybody's enjoying it. And we try to switch it up each time on what we talk about and kind of make sure, you know, we can talk about things across the continuum of care from acute to outpatient, thinking kind of big picture too. Yeah, good. It sounds really fun. I mean, I think it's something I would enjoy as a clinician having a resource like that and knowing that there's other people there to learn and share and um, just a, just an environment to continue to learn that you're mm -hmm. creating. That's fantastic. That's always good, you know, talking about things that are working in other clinics may work in yours and barriers you may have seen. And if there's another clinic who's worked through that too, you know, we can always have conversations about that and different things as we present the evidence. Oh, very good. That's exciting. Um, have you heard from maybe some of your other colleagues because you're in a special position, you know, as a resident, but we also have new grads out there who aren't in residencies. Do they... What are their experiences and how are they potentially facing these challenges? Um, I think they are facing these challenges. And I think um, I kind of in the residency position get a little bit of extra mentorship on navigating some of those challenges and finding those. And I know like classmates have, you know, even come to me and ask like, okay, I know this might be the best, like how should I present it? Or where was that article that we talked about this? Or, you know, like kind of having, how can I back this up to kind of start these conversations with um, my, you know, the clinicians around me um, and presenting it in a well-mannered way. Well, Kaylee, well, you are a true um, leader on going out there. I appreciate your work. I look forward to what else you're going to do. It's really exciting. Thank you. Very proud of you. Thank you. Um, let me just uh, change the conversation just a little bit to understand how Becky's, how you fit into this, because you're coming, you're wearing the hat as a faculty member, so you're working with students, also the residency director, and, and then working with new grads. I mean, it's a very challenging time, I think, in a lot of different ways. Um, what do you feel are some things that you have done or to help to mentor this young lady into doing what she's doing? Um, it is funny because you say I kind of have the like the, across the spectrum, right, of learners. So I can be in one day teaching first years my clinical neuro, neuro exam, right, skills, second year adult neuro rehab, um, third year I get to do it is neurological impairments across the lifespan, which is really a case based clinical reasoning that I pair with my pediatric um, entry level cohort or professor. Um, and we get together and then we really apply the information and then I get resident. So in one day I can see across the spectrum. And then we also do a pro bono clinic that Kaylee was talking about where we do near peer pairings, pairings, and then the residents get to be clinical instructors in that pro bono clinic and get teaching mentorship from myself, the program coordinator, and then our residency director, Lindsay Holland. Um, so they get the clinical teaching kind of mentorship as well. Um, so it's, it is some days I think, oh my gosh, like I have to switch my brain and how I explain this to my first year, who's just learning a sensory exam. And then I could be in the afternoon mentoring Kaylee where we're deeping dive and like, what do you think that is? And where could it be in the, you know, so um, some days it's hard to switch those hats a little bit, but I think 
One thing that we know from the excellence model in physical therapy education, when there are clinical partnerships of residency education with entry-level programs, we get to see that broad, like entry-level student who is very like, oh my gosh, neuro is so overwhelming. You know, I could never do this. But then they've got the residents who are grading their checkouts or their OSCEs, you know, their lab practicals, or the residents are there mentoring them in the clinic and the pro bono and being like, oh my gosh, Kaylee just graduated last year and she knows so much. This could be me. And I think it narrows the gap between some of us who are, um, have more experience. I won't say older, but maybe have a little bit more experience where it doesn't seem obtainable. Like it's going to take me forever to learn that, but they can see kind of that progression and how maybe they can get there faster. Um, and when they're not comfortable talking to us about, you know, maybe having conversations with patients or other providers on implementing these novel, not novel now, because we know their evidence, but these new techniques that are maybe different than what other people have um, grown up and learned. I know, you know, obviously none of this was taught in my um, entry-level program. And so they are helping them navigate, which I also think is very helpful from that mentorship that is a little bit closer um, as well. And they're more willing to ask those hard questions to the residents, um, sometimes rather than faculty. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I like this idea that, you know, you're continuing this, this effect of learning. And I'm what I'm hearing and what we would hope is that this continues, you know, so Kaylee will carry that on the the her mentors and clinicians will kind of continue this with their CIs and that the, it will just snowball. Um, and I really like that model. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you have advice sometimes when you're talking to residency mentors about this kind of new, it's, sometimes it's hard for mentors, right? To step in and understand what is the difference between a mentor and a CI. Mm. It, does this information come about at some point where you're We've actually been intentional. So that's beautiful. Like it's perfect that you brought it up because we actually are using the master adaptive learner framework within our residency education. And we've done it from ground zero. So when we first put in for candidacy, we actually implemented this framework from day one. So we even don't even call, like we say mentors, but we really mean what coaching, right? Like the coaches. Um, and so they are coaching that resident in their deeper conceptualization and the deep learning, not the superficial learning. And so some of that coaching might be, well, you know, if you want like to do this and you're questioning this, like, how can you start that conversation with the physician about maybe early implementation of high intensity gait training in inpatient rehab, right? Because every, the CPG is published for chronic um, but we're starting to see more evidence coming through IPRs and in that subacute phase and having those conversations. And I really think what's nice is our neuroresidents pair, like we are unique that because we're here at the University of Missouri that has a med school, we pair our residents with physical medicine and rehab residents. And every Friday morning they do grand rounds with each other. Um, so they are actually learning from each other. So like Kaylee, has presented um, on multiple things of like elevating the evidence and different topics of high intensity gait training. We've done treatment of ataxia. We did um, updated functional neurological disorder. Um, and just having these conversations with the residents that are also in the same stage of learning in PM&R, as well as the attendings, right? And so it's these deep conversations of translating some of the new evidence much faster um, then I think if we were just kind of waiting for it to happen on its own without that, you know, just a little bit of the knowledge translation action cycle. 
Yeah, fantastic. So um, we have just finished a podcast um, on master adaptive learning with an interview that we did with Gail Jensen. Mm -hmm. so she something was on my dissertation committee. So that's actually where I first learned about it back in 2016. Um, and so that was my dissertation. And then we were intentional about it. And then we also have infused it here within the residence. And now it's trickling down into entry level. Yeah. So we have stepped back and we all know how hard it is. I think the biggest, you know, that first year of residency where you have to do the observations of your mentors, right? And give feedback because it's part of accreditation every year of that evaluation of mentors. And it's so fun to watch how much change has happened. Our mentors have been phenomenal. They've jumped on it and they will openly admit in our retreats of like, I just have to sit in the corner on my hands, right? And like kind of wait to have that coaching moment of like, how do you think this is going? And what would you change instead of, you know, stepping in? So it's been really fun to watch the evolution. And now we're able to translate it into entry level as well with the coaching of um, our first years this year as a pilot program. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Um, I like this idea that you have integrated it all the way, all the way through um, from entry level on. And that's really, you know, that's, I think that's what's the fun part of physical therapy is this constant learning and questioning. And that's what you're, that's what you're getting your students to do. Of let's yeah. ask, let's question, let's really delve into why this is. And here's yeah. the newest thing. What are your thoughts and, and why? So that's fantastic. Um, you've also done some work um, on some cushion. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that really ties in a little bit more uh, clinical application. Yeah, no, and Kaylee's been involved with it from ground zero too. So that's what's been really nice as an entry-level student. I'm trying to remember, was it in your first year? I think it was your first year. She came, like, I kind of put out a call of like, is anyone interested in some doing some research specifically in neuro and concussion? And Kaylee was one of the original members. So she's been able to see it too, but we actually did our own KT project. Um, Lindsay Holland, the program director and myself and one other clinician from Mizzou were able to attend the KT summit. Our um, proposal got accepted. Um, we did not get the grant, but we were able to do the two day training in Colorado right before COVID. And so we actually got the in-person training and we were able to you know, survey our clinicians on their current self-efficacy of management of concussion, their willingness to use, how much have they been reading evidence, those types of things, um, and then have that baseline knowledge of where they weren't confident and then do an intentional educational intervention of those areas. At the same time we did that aligned with the new CPG that was published, um, Kaylee and another student dug in all of the outpatient neuro charts for retrospective data on clinical practice patterns of clinicians. And what we found were um, that if someone came in with dizziness, they just looked at vestibular ocular. They didn't look at the neck. They didn't do the Buffalo concussion treadmill test. Cause this was back in, we did, we pulled 2018 to 2020 data. So before the CPG was published, but the draft was available. So we knew that that was like, you know, coming to action um, and, and publication. And so we were able to show, you know, okay, our practice patterns weren't up to where the recommendations were based on the CPG and our self-efficacy of our clinicians weren't very high. And we also looked at their satisfaction, which was very low. <laughs> so we said, great, we've got all our things that we're going to address. And so we did, Kay Kaylee was able to attend um, several of the inter educational interventions to not only PT, but OT and speech 
and neuropsychology. So we actually implemented a system-wide elevation of evidence and then followed for two years and then resurveyed on the self-efficacy and satisfaction and saw significant changes in those um, who participated in the intervention, but as well as system-wide. And so that was really nice. And there was a, there was a difference between those who participated in system-wide, but everybody's increased, which was fantastic. Um, and correlations between satisfaction and using evidence. So that was good. <laughs> they felt like they knew what they were doing. Um, and then Kaylee also went back in and did retrospective chart reviews of like hundreds of patients. So, you know, God bless this one right here for just digging in the data for us. And we were a actually able to show significant change where we went, I want to say it was like 10 or 15% of doing a comprehensive eval to over 80% of the time doing a comprehensive evaluation, looking all at, at all the different clinical trajectories. So we just got to, Kaylee got to present um, at AMPT for this work. And then we've um, had strict orders from Dr. Hornby to get this written up as soon as possible. <laughs> so, um, yes, absolutely. So she's been part of that translation. And then in her third year, um, in that neuro impairments across the lifespan, we do case-based clinical reasoning, but then we also do, um, projects like unique, like kind of different projects. Like they make, um, children's books talking about different conditions and health literacy and, one of the projects is the Knowledge Translation Action Cycle mini project. So they get to learn about the KT cycle and then plan kind of hypothetically how they would go about a needs assessment, identifying the gap, who are their knowledge users, right? How are they going to sustain the knowledge? How are they going to measure outcomes? Um, and then they get to practice that. So she said lots of experience with that, which is really nice. Um, and then she's got to do a project herself as part of the residency. So, I mean, you guys have really gone out and you're just, you've just been laying the framework. And now it sounds like even, you know, people are like, hey, give us more. We really like this because you've done so much work. Um, Kaylee, since you've been such an integral part of this, um, how has it impacted your practice? You're not only seeing it from the application of CPGs, but knowledge translation. Uh, you know, what, is, what do you think about that from your own experience in the clinic? Um, I think it's like, it's inspiring and kind of shows like what can be done. And then like, if we can follow this cycle, like different, like changes can be made and different things like that. So I think it is, that's kind of part of the empowerment piece of like seeing like what has been done, what can we continue to do, um, kind of getting people together with this framework. And there is, you know, a framework to follow to do this. So I think that's been encouraging and kind of um, helps just like at our clinics around, like we're able to have this common, you know, language about these things and people are open to these kind of things around me. So that's been, you know, that's, that's great. This consistent message, this, this idea that when I see a therapist in your system, we're going to be taking a similar approach. It's not going to be all over the place on information that they're getting. So, you know, kudos to you guys for the fantastic work that you're doing. Um, um, kudos to Lindsay Holland, the director of the program who um, can't be on, but she really, when they talked about residency education and pulling it into um, our system, really did a good job explaining what it was and the difference of it and why. And it started that conversation about 
the knowledge translation and why it's going to be. So I think that actually opened up the minds of the people around us to be more accepting. And now um, it's fun to see even some of the clinicians go directly to Kaylee now. They bypass us, which is great. It's like, go talk to Kaylee. She probably just read the article, right? Um, or, hey, we discovered that in didactic this week. Kaylee's got good information on that. <laughs> good, good. So, Fantastic. Have there been some other areas uh, when you guys first started this uh, with some of our other CPGs that you've tried to implement? Concussion was first. Um, they are currently, and they have been for the last year, doing the Parkinson's disease CPG. So we actually have, we are using the dental model, um, which is really great. And one of our other residents, um, Mallory, who's a resident right now, presented on the health and wellness um, continuum for our neurological patients, and then really exposed the different models to our PMNR residents. Um, and then she actually just did the presentation for our clinical instructors across Missouri recently, and that was great conversation about a lot of them didn't even know that there was the different models of physical therapy um, and how to, you know, hear the, the evidence of what we know works, but then also doing the periodic check-ins for our progressive diseases. Um, so we've looked at that one that we just covered um, this week. Yeah, we covered that one this week. And then um, for the outcome, the six core outcome measures, we did a um, learning lab did specific learning. on standardization in each of the settings, but that's your KT that's project. that's also part of my KT yeah. project in residency um, is to start implementing six core across the continuum of care and kind of getting the information out about how can, like, how is it supposed to be scored? What can, what information can we get here? And how can we easily try to translate it um, throughout, you know, from acute to inpatient rehab, then to outpatient and seeing the changes and seeing um, kind of across the continuum, um, like learning through some more like knowledge translation and mentorship, we may have to, you know, start small with certain things. I think we had big ideas to do everything all at once with everybody, but um, maybe even if we start with one or two of the outcomes and like getting the CPG out and things like that first um, this year, and then maybe even like residents in the future could continue with that down the line. So that is what our idea is for our KT project for residency right now. Oh, that's fantastic, though. If you can start to, um, so it sounds like you haven't, historically, there has not been a lot of outcomes, and if that's the goal, right? Let's get these outcomes implemented across the continuum of care and start getting people thinking about outcomes. Yeah. So, good. You guys have really tackled a lot of the um, knowledge translation of different concepts into practice. Yeah really take and I definitely evidence. credit like I didn't even know what the cycle was before I went to the summit so I will be you know I've been practicing like like at that point in time I was practicing for like what 18 19 years and I'm like I don't even know what this is let me take a look at it um and then went to the summit and it was beautiful um and then actually in our third year program we did that project when I came back from that we implemented the project and then there's a healthcare administration, leadership, organizational, some type of class. I don't remember the name of it in the like right after our semester. And the students actually, they have to do an organizational like QI project where they're either changing, you know, treatment times for the system or like whatever it happens to be. And the students gave the instructor the feedback of, hey, Becky and Jamie taught us this great, like very step-by-step -step process of how to implement change. Can we use this? like?" basically framework on this project too. And so now we've actually implemented and adopted that. And we've got some educational research 
on the KT cycle, um, kind of surveying self-efficacy and using it in evidence and using, you know, that type of stuff across our entry-level curriculum students, which is really nice too. So we'll see how the, how the results look for that. You know, that that's great. I think all of it's kind of new, right? But it's this time where evidence, you know, we have, we're really feeling good about bringing in clinical practice guidelines to help guide our practice. And then how do we go about changing practice? And it's just such an exciting time right now. So it's great to hear um, I think some of these concepts have been new to us and to hear people getting on board and moving forward uh, with changing practice. So that's uh, what you guys are doing. And that's what the Evidence Elevates Task Force is about as well. So well, we use a lot of resources from <laughs> your website, which is great, you know, the the page and things like that. Yes. And it's it's a it's a collective effort. And I think all of us pulling together to do this and share stories is really what um, getting physical therapy to move forward is about. Um, if you had to um, help some uh, folks out there, I think we all suffer a little bit as we're describing uh, imposter syndrome, right? Like, I don't know. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that. What advice would you potentially give to new clinicians, new grads, new residents, students who are out there? How can we, how can we help overcome this? Because I think we're all in the same boat. We all want to improve practice, but it's a little bit scary. My advice would be kind of just trying to be confident in that we don't want too much imposter syndrome, but that imposter syndrome just being there a little bit, I think keeps you going to think, okay, like maybe what I am I missing? What kind of research can I go back and do tonight? Like kind of giving you just that little bit enough of like, let me dig deeper into this. What could be going on? Why is it going on? How, what would be the easiest and fastest treatment to get this going so that we can, you know, supplement their care and um, get them progressing faster. So I think, yes, we have a little bit of this imposter syndrome. And if people come and ask me things, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you asking me? It's like, I'm very new to this. Um, but kind of having some confidence that you know kind of what you can do and kind of just continuing with the lifelong learning throughout that too and that it's going to be a process forever and there's going to be new evidence coming out each year and every day and that um, we can do our best to just try to keep up with it and dig deep um, deeper into it as we can. And that's the fun as healthcare keeps progressing there's so much to learn we're never going to learn it all so um, that's right. We just have to keep asking and keep questioning. So mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, are there other um, areas that you would like to um, discuss related to how to help residents or new grads or even clinicians who've been practicing, mentors? I think one of the things that we both took away and we're both reading Think Again right now. <laughs> so yeah. um, absolutely. Um, and I, yeah, so we are doing that and we took away, interesting enough, like I had it in my queue on my Audible and I hadn't started it yet. Like I was still finishing up some other books and then the AMPT conference where it really brought up. And of course I'm like taking the survey right away, right? Like I've made everybody around me take the survey. So. <laughs> But um, really thinking, and I think, you know, George Hornby said this too. He goes, you know, we rolled this out, all of this high intensity. We kind of like, here's all the resources. Here's everything. Everybody start this. And then you don't think like, well, maybe you have to have a conversation about, right, de-implementing or why, you know what I mean? Like kind of thinking about like, why are you using your strategies the way that you are? Um, and would you be open? And did you know about this? And just having a different conversation, I think. Um, and so that really opened both of our eyes up that I think will be a really good tool to spark conversation moving forward. And something that I am going to talk to entry level, I actually already did 
I came back from the conference. We had this big talk in adult neuro rehab about this. Um, and then the summer is where we dig deep into the locomotor CPG. And so we will have this in that conversation of teaching students how to maybe tactfully and very, you know what I mean? Like just having a conversation rather than directing or telling, you know, uh, somebody that they might have as a clinical instructor that it's not the right way. Or, you know, we all um, from our DCEs have heard the poor ways that this can go. <laughs> so, um, but really thinking about the de-implementation um, process first. And I think that will, that totally changed my mindset. Um, and even how we have conversations in the clinic, um, even kind of daily, which I think is really, really, it's very helpful. And I think something that we all need to start thinking about even, you know, across all spectrums, not even in the neuro asylum or, you know, silo, um, thinking about like, I think, I don't know, I just listened actually you all had, I think Chad cook on, um, and listening to, protocol creep, right? And like how they go about having that conversation and videoing their clinicians and having them watch themselves of like, so how do you think you did adhere to that protocol? Or what, what, you know, what were your thoughts? And I really think it's those deep conversations that might lead to some of that change a little bit faster, but then also create a safe space to have the conversation. Yeah. I like your idea of changing the conversation, right? It just, it's just how we, how we have the conversation and how we go about it. Um, to make these changes. So you guys have done, it sounds like really opening up to that. And that's, that's something that all of us, we started with a think again book uh, to help guide us on this process. And then there's those two Chad Cook episodes that, you know, bring in different perspectives for us as well. So does your program, um, I mean, we're, we're, we've been thinking about de-implementation from so many different levels, from clinical level to education. And as we've been saying, this grassroots efforts to make these changes, but Really, I think you're right. It's the de-implementation because we can't we can't keep adding to mm -hmm. this. So something has to go away to bring in new stuff. Um, what has your program done? Um, oh, either... we've got CAPD next week. So for our reaccreditation, so we've we've had a little bit of a what? Like we've threaded it, um, and especially our neuro curriculum and with the residents there, I think that's really up the game for translating currently and some of the KT projects. But I think as a whole, we're going to start curricular discussions um, next year of just like, where can this, where can things change? Where can we get rid of, right? Because we don't want curricular creep. Um, and where can we all have like a common language? And so even having the conversations with our other faculty about this Think Again book, we just had this and um, about even, and you just had Gail on. So um, de-implementation of older potential learning, right? Science of teaching and learning and learning strategies. Um, I think even with this master adaptive learner framework that, you know, there's been a call to action to adopt, there's got to be a de-implementation of some of the other things, even in educational interventions. Um, and so it's really nice. It'll be really interesting to see how all of this kind of comes to fruition. And maybe, at, you know, the big picture side of things as we are de-implementing maybe older pedagogy and different strategies and implementing this master adaptive learner, the newer evidence, right? And the CPGs can be infused within that um, on why it's important to be adaptable and deeply know and find your gaps. And I mean, I could just see this beautifully coming out by like infusing both of them together. Um, but we'll just, you know, kind of have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. So this is where we're heading and you guys are leading the way for us and planting the seeds. And this is kind of what we want to see happen. 
Um, it just, and I'm, as you're saying, it, you're doing grassroots and it's going to start to snowball and everything's going to overlap. So fantastic conversation with the two of you. Uh, I really want to thank the two of you for today for sharing your story and expertise. You really are doing amazing work. And I'm looking forward to seeing where you're going to go, Kaylee, where your career is going to go and having you lead uh, more of this someday. And I thank you both for supporting the Evidence Elevates podcast and helping to drive our practice forward. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. I think I learn every time a new podcast comes out or something comes out as a resource. So it's been great. So we thank you for all that your task force is doing as well, because it's helping us do it faster. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Evidence Elevates podcast, a production of the Moving Forward Task Force in the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you share this podcast with a colleague today. Come back soon to listen to more episodes of Evidence Elevates. For more information, follow us on social media or find our website at neuropt.org. That's N-E-U-R-O-P-T dot O-R-G.